Well, if you have your Bibles and uh, would like to open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, um, we're not going to have a bunch of texts on the screen like we often do. The screens are going to be pretty simple today. And while you're turning there, I want to just kind of think through a, a, a leadership lesson that I feel like I had to learn the hard way. Actually, other people learned the hard way on my behalf this week. And as you know, Poolsville Day was yesterday, and a couple days ago, Brian was saying, hey, you know, the weather's not looking all that great. And I said, well, you know, they're saying rain or shine, they're, so let's keep going, let's keep going. And so we kept making plans, and Friday we set out stuff, getting ready to go, and Saturday morning at 6.15, Don sends me this wonderful text. Are we still doing this? Question mark, question mark, question mark. And uh, I said, well... We have an opportunity to be present to share the gospel with whoever might show up. So he's like, okay. So he went out, picked up the stuff, put it in the truck, brought it out to where we were supposed to be. He and Brian unloaded it. Uh, um, Ernesto and Emilio, Sam and, and uh, Abby got there early to help set up the tent. And we, they made it happen, put out all the gear. And then I ran to a breakfast because I was supposed to be in two places at once, which didn't work. So here we were moving forward, and I couldn't even be there. And then after breakfast, I, I go back and on the thing, and Ermal is standing there in the pouring rain. Everything is all wet and just a mess. And he said, they've decided, well, you know, everybody's inside Duncan. They're kind of staying warm and dry. We're waiting for the parade. I was like, okay, well, let me know if you need anything. I ran home, showered, because I had a funeral to go to. So here I am in encouraging and calling everybody to get wet, and I can't even be there. And then while I'm getting dressed for the funeral, Aramal calls and says they canceled it after the thing. So the leadership lesson is this. And I told Sam this earlier, Sam and Abby. I said, when we were, we were walking to the car to pick up some weights that we were going to use to keep the tents down, I said, I've had knots in my stomach all morning, knowing that we're going into something that maybe we shouldn't have done. And, and so first of all, for those of you guys who helped, Brian, Don, Abby, Sam, Ermal, Emilio, Ernesto, Tom, Dan, Carolyn, Anne, thank you. Thank you for risking the rain and comfort and warmth so that we might have an opportunity to share the gospel and thank you for your patience with me as I failed to, uh, you know, it took ultimately the Poolsville Day to com committee to do what I probably should have done on Thursday and said, okay, let's quit. But I, 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 I mentioned that in part because, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry for how yesterday turned out. Yesterday, it was the day that it was supposed to be. It was a day that had, for me, had way too many things in it. Nathan and I, uh, last night, ran down to Upper Marlboro and enjoyed a time of worship with about 70 other guys from around the state convention. And it was a joyous time of worship together. And next time we get to do that, I want to encourage all of us, gentlemen, to, to be there because it was very encouraging. But on this, on this leadership stuff, I, I bring that up because I, I wonder if that's a little bit of what Paul was facing. So if you remember, here's Paul and Silas, and they've gone from Philippi. There's a big mob that... that stirred up there in Philippi. They arrested them, beat them, threw them out of town. And so now they make their way to Thessalonica. And for three weeks, Paul and Silas and Timothy share the gospel with the folks there in, in, in Thessalonica. And then they get kicked out of town. They, the, the believers say, hey, Paul, we need you to just go because this is too intense. 
So Paul moves on and he goes to the next town. He can't even be there to be with them. And so he, he, even, he even mentions later on in, in some of what Dan read, he says, he says, I long so much to be with you that I wanted to find out how you were doing. So I sent Timothy. I didn't even go myself. I sent Timothy so that he could go and figure out what was going on because he needed to be in Corinth at that time or in Athens. And I think it's... It, but I, so, so Timothy went and he shared what was going on or he, he figured out what was going on, gave some instruction and encouragement and came back to Paul and Silas with some good words. And so in this first section, as we began looking at Thessalonians last week, this first section really becomes an opportunity for Paul to give thanks to God for what is happening in the lives of these young believers in this young church. And he reflects on a few things that, that give them, uh, give some confirmation of the salvation that they have. And that is namely that the arrival, the welcome, and the echo of the gospel that he sees in them. So if you want to take notes, let's begin by considering this, the arrival of the gospel, the arrival of the gospel. If you look in your Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, it says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. And you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So here, Paul, Silas, and Timothy had been in Philippi. As I said, they, those conflicts arose. They moved to Thessalonica. Conflicts arose there. They got forced out. And yet Paul seems to remind, be reminding the Thessalonians, and I think he's reminding us, of the means by which the gospel arrived the way that the gospel came to them. And I think the way that the gospel ultimately comes to us, and there are four different things that the gospel does. And first of all, the gospel comes in word. The gospel comes in word. The gospel arrives in the mouths and the lives of God's people. And while God may use dreams, and I know that we talk about it every now and then that God uses dreams in other parts of the world, but typically God uses his people, which is kind of why I felt like it was important for us to be at Poolsville Day in the rain, because who knows who might stop by our tent and try to get dry for a few moments. And maybe we would have an opportunity to share the gospel with him, or at least share our very lives as Paul and Silas and these guys did. It's with the witness and testimony of his people that the proclamation of the gospel goes out. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, how will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom, in, in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. You see, the message of the gospel is conveyed through God's messengers, through his People And for the Thessalonians, that was Paul and Silas and Timothy. For me, it was my parents who from the time I was less than a week old had me in church and they wanted me exposed to God's people there. But it was also those teachers that, that poured into my life. Who was God's messenger that brought the gospel to you? I'd love for this week in your community group to share that with someone to help, help us understand how did the gospel come to you? Because God uses some interesting and varied means. It might be just a haphazard relationship. It might be a, a chance encounter. But most often, the gospel comes through people that we are already very familiar with and people who are familiar with us. 
And while the gospel is often verbally conveyed, we have to recognize that it's rooted in the word of God, in scripture. And if our message consists of platitudes, if it, if it consists of good feelings, good vibes and encouraging news, that is not the gospel. We need to be people who can share and convey the truth of the gospel. And sometimes the gospel is offensive. And I think this is part of what makes the Good News Club that we're trying to start over at Poolsville Elementary School so important. You see, there are tons of clubs and there are tons of good things that the elementary school students can do. I mean, they can do cheerleading, they can do sports, they can do art, they can do reading, they might even do chess, they might even do all these things. But there is one club at Poolsville Elementary that is going to share the gospel with these students. And that is the Good News Club. We heard about it a little bit last week. And I want to encourage you, if you have any interest in supporting that club, talk to Ermal. Talk to him about what, what the opportunities are. It's only going to take an hour or so in the afternoon. I know some of us work, and so it's, it's difficult to, to get there at that time. But there are other ways. We can be praying. We can be praying that the Holy Spirit would move in the lives of these kids and that the gospel would be able to go forth into their families as the kids are exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul notes that in addition to the gospel coming in word, it also came in power. There are a variety of ways that people can wield power. I, Jonathan Lehman a recent, noted in a recent podcast interview that I was listening to, but to he, well, he has got a book coming out on authority. And uh, the, this other guy was interviewing him, asking about this. And, and Jonathan Lehman said, essentially, there are two kinds of authority, two kinds of power. There's the authority of command and there's the authority of counsel. And he said, parents, bosses, teachers to some degree, police to some degree, have the authority of command. They can say, you must do this. And if not, here is this very clear consequence. But hear this, spouses, pastors, elders, our authority is not command, but counsel. For instance, in, in Danielle's and my relationship, we can counsel each other to act in a certain way, but we don't have the authority to command one another. We can encourage each other to move, but ultimately the, the, there is no authority in that relationship to command compliance. Pastors and elders can provide biblical counsel and advice, but we can't command action. Ultimately, because we are a congregational church, that's that congreg the congregation is the one that gets to command. But when it came to the people of Thessalonica, Paul, I think, had that kind of council authority. He couldn't command them to believe. He couldn't command them to follow what he was saying, but he could preach and teach and convey and counsel in such a way that they would hear. And with his words... They would hear what he was saying with his words, but also what he, was, what he was displaying with his character. And what Paul did in Silas and Timothy is they conveyed it in humility and weakness. Dan read that a little bit earlier, how he talked about Paul going and, and it not being in vain. Even though this great persecution were, um, came out, he, he said, we didn't go in vain. And sure, we spoke with power and we spoke with boldness, but ultimately we spoke in a way, much like a mother would speak to a child, a nursing child with tenderness and love and compassion. 
But you see, the power of Paul's message and ours is ultimately in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the third thing. So we have the word, we have power, we have the Holy Spirit. This is the way that the, the gospel arrives. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts us of our sin. It is the Holy Spirit who awakens us to God's gracious gift through Jesus Christ. It is the Holy Spirit who leads us to live godly lives. But Paul notes also that when, he, when the gospel came to the Thessalonians in word and power and the Holy Spirit, it also came with full conviction with full conviction. As I was studying this week, one of the things I learned, and if you kind of go back and read over these two chapters, chapters one and two, one of the things that Paul is doing is he's making, he's laying this very clear argument. Hey, we came in this way. We didn't do this. Our motives were pure. Our actions came to you in, in this way. Because one of the things that would happen, and there, there would be these traveling preachers, there would be these, these traveling speakers or orators, and they were gifted in, that, in, that, in, uh, in the talent of rhetoric where they would convey messages and they could almost convey any type of message they wanted, right? They could sell snake oil, right? You, I heard there's a show coming out all, all about that. Is this snake oil or is it real? And they got really good at selling snake oil. Or these people would come along with these gifts to speak and they would find a patron, find someone who would pay them. And they'd essentially go to them and say, what, what message do you want me to display? And they would begin to speak whatever message would pay them. Kind of sounds a little bit like our political environment today. There are so many people spewing junk because it gets clicks. It gets people's attention. It gets money and they may not even believe what they're saying but Paul says I didn't do it like that when I came he says I came with full conviction I am putting my life on the line for what I am saying to you yeah you're facing persecution yeah this hurts but I would lay down my life for you and so Paul is helping them understand he wasn't trying to sell something. He wasn't trying to convince them or twist their arms. He was conveying a message that he too believed wholeheartedly. And so as we try to process this arrival of the gospel, this movement into our lives, I think there are two ways that we have to think about it. First of all, as believers, we have to think about this. When we convey the gospel to others, how are we doing that? Are we doing that at all? And when we are, how are we doing that? Are we conveying in a way, like Paul talks about, with love and compassion, like a mother with an infant child? Or are we conveying the truths of the gospel in order to try to manipulate? Do our actions support the faith that we say we believe? Are we living lives of full conviction? And I want to encourage you, if you're not yet a believer, if you've not yet responded to the gospel, then consider the truth of the gospel. Consider the truth of the gospel lived out in the lives of men and women and teenagers in this room. Because this is a gospel that is lived with full conviction by the majority of people in this place. So Paul talks about the fact that the gospel arrived to the Thessalonians. It arrived in word, in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. Next, he says, the, he, he affirmed the, the fact that the Thessalonians welcomed the gospel, the welcome of the gospel. That's the second point in your outline. 
Think about this like a guest coming to your house. I, I, I'm sure you guys probably get this every now and then. Uh, we'll get people coming to our door, knocking on the door, ringing the doorbell, and they say, hey, we've got some men, some workers in the area. We'd love to refinish your driveway. I noticed your driveway looks horrible. It's got all these spider cracks, and we can, for a mere $7,000, rip it up, lay down some new asphalt, and you'll be good as gold. And I'm like, no, 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 I can't do that. Well, how about 6000 How about 5000 He was desperate. I said, no. I love it when the bug guy comes. Because he says, hey, we're, we've got some folks. We're helping some people here. And then I tell him, oh, no, 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 no. We've got Buddy. Infestation control. They've got us covered. And every time they're like, yeah, we keep hearing that. So Buddy, keep up the good work. But, you know, when, when those people come to the door, it's tempting to go peek out the window. If our dog wasn't so loud, I would be tempting to peek out the window and just ignore them. Right? Or open the door and be rude and say, get off my property. But I know they've got a job to do. So I open the door, I talk to them on the porch and give them the time of day for a moment, try to graciously say, no, thank you. But those guys, I typically don't welcome in my home the way that I would welcome one of you or the way that we would welcome family members or even the way that we might welcome neighbors. And I, and I bring that up because that is what happened here when, when Paul and Silas and Timothy brought the gospel to, to Thessalonica. These pe- the, so the gospel arrived. And once the gospel comes to the doorstep and, and Paul and Silas and Timothy are knocking on the door, now these guys have the opportunity to hear what they're saying and either accept it or reject it. And so Paul says, you welcomed the gospel. Look at verse 6. And here are some ways that they welcomed the gospel. It says, And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word with much much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And then look down in chapter 2, verse 13. He says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received or welcomed the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as word from men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So it seems like the the Thessalonians accepted or welcomed the word of God in three different ways. First of all, they they embodied it. They sought to imitate what they saw. There's an old adage that says imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, right? Accepting Jesus' salvation was a completely new way of thinking, of living and believing. And these people needed to see the gospel lived out. They needed to see it embodied. And so they began to watch what Paul did. He said, okay, so now I repent of my sin. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now what? Well, Paul, let me look at your life. Let me see how you're doing. Let me watch how you pray. And, and I think it's important for us to recognize that people around us need to see our faith in action so that they know what to embody. They know what to live out. And I think this is where the community groups have so much value, giving people an opportunity to observe the Christian life lived in various stages of life. Watching someone, watching a couple love and care for each other after 50, 60, or 70 years, watching them pour out their love for one another, listening to how a teenager might, might, might process through a message of the gospel that is running counter to what they're teaching at school. How do I think about that? Hearing someone pray for for their lost friend or family member. And that only happens when we get close enough to be able to see the gospel on display. 
Frankly, we get this time for about an hour, on, uh, an hour a week. But when we can get a little bit closer to one another, we get that beautiful opportunity to display what we believe, to display what we believe so that others might learn The Thessalonians not only welcomed the gospel with embodiment, but they welcomed the gospel amid affliction. You know, they experienced their own affliction from outward persecutors. Remember, what, what happened was after, as Paul preached after three weeks in the, in the synagogue, some Jews went around and got some rabble-rousers. And they said, hey, we hate these guys, what they're teaching, so will you help us get a mob going? And so they got this big mob, and they began persecuting folks. They pulled this, this other bystander and threw him in jail and cost him some money. And so they, the, the Thessalonians became believers in this environment of tension and conflict. Now, we may have friends and family members who don't like the idea of our faith. They don't like the idea that we have a sin problem from birth. They don't like the idea of Jesus' substitutionary atonement. And some of them may make life difficult or they may simply disregard us. But I want us to recognize, too, that conflict not only happens from the outside, but sometimes that conflict happens. Actually, it's got to happen from within as well, that inward transformation. As we're changed from our old way of thinking and believing and behaving to becoming more like the people that Christ has called us to be. It seems like this is where the proof is in the pudding. We begin to exhibit new attitudes and behaviors and language because of the changes that are taking place in us. And that change takes time. It's a, it's a conflict that's within. So they, they, they welcome the gospel with, um, by embodying what they saw. They welcome the gospel amid this conflict. And also they welcome the gospel in joy. They welcomed the gospel as the word of God with joy in the spirit. And in very practical terms, the gospel is God's loving word for you and me. And oh, what joy that is to know the way that God loves us. And so we've seen how the gospel arrived and how it was welcomed by the Thessalonians and hopefully by us. And finally, Paul affirms them, affirms the Thessalonians for the echo of, of the gospel, for the echo of the gospel. Look at verses seven to 10. It says, so that you became an example to all the believers. This is chapter one, verses seven to 10. You became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So that we need not say anything, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned, from God, turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from wrath to come. Macedonia was a massive province. It was big and it was... It was expansive. It was very wide. And yet Thessalonica was a very strategic town. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but it, was on a, it had a little harbor. And so it had this, this seaport so boats could come in and out. But also it was, it was on this highway they called the Ignatian Way or the Via Ignatia. 
that went from essentially what is now um, uh, Istanbul, Turkey, all the way to, to the sea that, that border that makes its way across to Italy. And so Thessalonica was right there in the middle. So people could go north, south, they could go in the sea, they could see what was happening. And people began to understand, hey, this little tiny church, this few people that they're doing something marvelous, something wonderful. The believers that made up this church made an impact and others were taking notice. Their resilience, their hospitality, their transformation. And but, but what's most important that Paul says that it was the word of God that was sounding forth. It wasn't just their reputation. It was God's word that was going out. And I want us to think about this. For us, Poolsville may not be a big city. And now that White's Ferry's not here, people don't kind of come through as much as they used to. And yet people do pass through. They, they live here for a short time and then they go on to somewhere else. And hopefully we get to be a blessing to them. We may not have the opportunities like people down in D.C. might or Bethesda or Rockville, but we have an opportunity to be salt and light here, to display the gospel. Yesterday, I mentioned I was at this breakfast. I felt a little odd being there because there were all these politicians there and um, all these the commissioners. It's called the, the Fair Access VIP breakfast. I don't know how I got to be a VIP, but um, I don't feel like I am. But it was interesting. They're talking a lot about, and of course, politicians are politicians. They're saying what they're saying. and They're talking about the school talking about this new community center that the Fair Access Committee is trying to get for seniors, for students, for medical access. They, they gave a much-deserved award to WAMCO for the work that they're doing with the medical clinic. And it was so interesting I was, as I was listening to all the things they want to do, all the things they want to have embodied in this community center. I thought, you know, it sounds a lot like stuff that's happening here in our gym. I, part of me, I wanted to stand up and say, hey, we've got a gym right across from the high school and everybody uses it. But anyways, I didn't. I just sat quietly. <laughs> and and, and as, I, as I wrestled with this, I thought, you know, there's a part of me, I want us to be involved in all those things. To be a haven for students to come and be listened to, be counseled and encouraged, but also to hear the gospel. To be a place where students can come, they do three days a week, come and play basketball after school. To be a, a place where they can just let off some steam. Be a place where we can host medical clinic. Hey, we do that once a month in partnership with WAMCO. I love the fact that we do the blood drives, it seems like every other month with, with the Red Cross. But there is a risk that we might be doing those things partnering in just such a way so that our name, Pools of a Baptist Church, can be elevated. I want people to know us, but more importantly, I want people to know our Savior. I want people to know Jesus Christ. And how will they know, as we read a little earlier, unless we go and rub shoulders with them, unless we get to be in their presence, unless we go and proclaim the gospel. See, I think when we... Ultimately, we need to ask ourselves, is it the word of the Lord that is going forth as we distribute food on Tuesdays and Saturdays? And if not, what can we do to make sure the word of the Lord goes out? One of the things that we started doing is praying with folks before the food comes in, before they go in to, to get all the food in about two seconds. 
We, we pray and just say, hey, this isn't us. God has provided this through X, Y, Z means. May we proclaim the word as we give away food. May we proclaim the word of the Lord as we go into Poolsville Elementary School with the Good News Club. Even when we house these medical clinics with WAMCO and blood drives, maybe we should have a bit of an influence. Maybe we can volunteer in such a way that we can pray with those who might be waiting. We can hang out and help people see the way that Jesus poured out his blood. Just as these guys are giving their arms and blood for other people's lives, Jesus gave his life for us. As we open the gym for students after school, we need some folks who will come and play. Airmall and I can go and play some, but we're only two. So Thessalonians not only imitated Paul and Silas and Timothy, and frankly, let me just say, I think Airmall and I do need to, I'll speak for me, I need to go play basketball a bit more with the teenagers when they come. The Thessalonians not only imitated Paul, Silas, and Timothy as they grew in their young faith, they became imitators of other churches, especially the churches in Judea who were experiencing a great deal of persecution. And I think one of the joys that we have in partnership as a part of the SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, the BCMD, the Baptist Convention in Maryland, Delaware, the Montgomery Baptist Association, and the Pillar Network is that we get to imitate and learn from other churches. We might not have to experience the persecutions that the Thessalonians face, but we can learn from others how they serve in the community, how they disciple, how they teach and preach the word of God, how they live out the gospel. And I think this men's event last night was one of those examples. It was an opportunity for us to learn from other brothers in Christ, to hear the word of the Lord preached and conveyed and lived out and embodied in a way that we might, you know, because we get familiar with each other. Hearing those other things, we get to have some encouragement. I'm so grateful for this Medi Memo youth retreat that, that, uh, that the youth are going to get to do with these other churches because we get to see how other churches are discipling their teenagers. Parents, I want to encourage you send your kids. And we're going to need some volunteers. Volunteers, step up. We need, we're going to need folks to help out. So let me just close with a couple of things. First of all, we've talked a lot around the gospel today. We discussed how it arrived, how it welcomed, and how it was welcomed, and how it was echoed in the lives of the Thessalonians. We discussed a bit about how it arrived to each of us, and ultimately you and I have to be the ones who understand who, who brought it to us, and did we welcome it? Did we receive it? And are we echoing it? Are we proclaiming it? to the world around us. But it kind of begs the question, what is the gospel? See, when God created everything, he created everything with a beautiful purpose. He wanted to be in fellowship with his creation. And yet our very first parents, Adam and Eve, decided they wanted to be more like God. And so they willfully rebelled against him and infused sin into the world and a sin that we don't fully understand, we don't fully grasp the depth of our corruption because we're born into it. We don't know we live in a swamp until we go see what a swamp should have been like when the water is flowing clearly. And so God, because he understood our corruption and that we don't fully get it, sent his son, Jesus Christ, 
to demonstrate, to live that perfect life for us. And then he paid the punishment for our sin and he died. He laid his life down on that cross, died in our place and rose from the grave. And so that if we, by faith, would receive his free gift, we would have eternal life. Not dependent on whether or not we're faithful to do this or that, but because of his good grace and mercy. So if you're not yet a Christian, let me just say, I'm glad you came. I'm glad you're here. Know that the gospel arrived to you today. If you may not have ever heard it before, the gospel arrived to you today. So the question is, will you welcome it? Will you receive it? By repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I pray that all of us, after, after the gospel comes, after we welcome it, may we all be people who echo the gospel to the world around us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the joy that we have of learning from our brothers and sisters of old. We thank you for the Thessalonians and their steadfast hope and faith, their lives of conviction. And God, I pray that you would help us to be people who live in such a way that we get to embody and demonstrate your gospel. Lord, lead us by your spirit to those that, we, that you've appointed for us to proclaim your good word to. Grant us, you've told us in your words, in, in your scripture, that you would give us the words to say at the right time. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would give us that language so that we can convey the truth, that we might echo the gospel clearly. And Father, for those who are here who may not yet know you, Lord, I pray that you would grant them faith to believe. Even as the, the man came in, in his encounter with Jesus, God, for those who are having difficulty, Lord, help them in their unbelief to believe. Help us, we pray. We need you. In Christ's name, amen.